Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Please welcome Pastor Tim. Awesome. Thank you, John and Cynthia. Great, great to see you guys again today. Uh, I want you to get those Bibles, crack them open right now to the book of Matthew. We're going to be looking in Matthew chapter number 14 today. The scriptures are, uh, the uh, reference is up there. And once you get it, we're going to read through the passage. Hold there because I'm going to draw your attention back to, to several other little verses in that passage in just a few minutes. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 is where you're supposed to go this morning. Hey, while you're looking that up, I want to let you know that I'm going to be starting a brand new series next week. Next week, the series is called, I'm calling it Supernatural. Uh, and let me explain. It, it has become very obvious to me that, that there's really an elevated level of spiritual activity, you know, demonic spiritual activity in our culture. And I don't say that to frighten you because that doesn't frighten us, but what it does is it's a challenge for us to step up our game and, and to be sure we understand and know how to engage in Christ-centered, spirit-filled spiritual warfare. And, and I'm seeing this on all levels of society, from individuals and families, even here in our church, to, to, uh, to, to people here, here in the city. Uh, we're looking across you know, the, the, the workplace. I'm seeing it in the, in the nation, which is very obvious. But I'm going to be talking about healings and miracles the power of prayer, the power of worship, spiritual warfare, deliverance, some spiritual dangers, and they're also what I would call spiritual landmines that a lot of believers aren't even aware of that I'm going to be uh, touching on during this series. So it starts next week, and I don't want you to miss it at all, okay? Well, the title of today's message, this is a standalone message today, I'm calling it The Best and Worst of Times. The Best and Worst of Times. Uh, you guys have heard of Charles Dickens. Uh, he, you know, any of you who, if you went to school, you had to to study uh, British literature, and I, I did that as well. And uh, and as I was putting this together, those those words were in my mind. I'm like, well, that's from a tale of two cities. I know that's actually how it starts off. And here here's how that 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 short that story starts off by Charles Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And then Dickens continues. He says it was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope and the winter of despair. And so really what he's referring to here are the ups and downs of life that seem to even happen simultaneously. And, uh, and I just think that's a nice literary backdrop to today's message. But first of all, I want to talk about what the best of times is. And so I've defined it this way for us as believers. The best of times is this, is when there are miracles, when there are positive reports that that are out there and, and where there are breakthroughs. And it could be possibly a relationship that you've been praying for for so many years and that relationship has been restored. Maybe your uh, employment situation turns around. Uh, friends or family members that you prayed for and believed God for their salvation, you know, they, they come to Christ. And maybe you see a miracle that you've prayed and expected for for so long, all of a sudden that miracle takes place and everything's looking up. It's the 
best of times. You guys know what I mean there. And, uh, and in all four Gospels, there's this narrative that's found in Matthew 14 of, uh, of 5,000 people, 5,000 men being fed. They said it could be up to, to uh, 20,000 when you include the women and the children. So there were literally thousands of people that had come from their villages out to the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and, and uh, they left their work behind. They brought their families out. They were just going to hear Jesus teach. And and, and little did they know it was going to be an all-day sermon. And I, I don't know how, how he pulled that off. I, and so I'm thinking today, because Jesus would preach all day, I'm going to be preaching until 7 p.m. tonight. Okay, some of y'all, some of y'all are cheering. Uh, most of you are not. Well, okay, I, I, that's, not, that's not full truth. I, I, I'll, I will end a little bit before that. But, but the people had been there all day, and they started getting hungry, uh, yet Nobody wanted to leave to go back to their villages to get food. I mean, that's how good it was. And you know, Grubhub hadn't been invented yet. I mean, they, they didn't have Uber Eats there. They didn't have any way of getting food there. So evening was about to settle in. And what happened is the disciples uh, counseled Jesus. They, they were being good staff members. They counseled Jesus, hey, we, we think you should go ahead and dismiss the crowds and send them back home. They're hungry. They need to go get something to eat. But Jesus had a different idea. He, he likes to take our ideas and say, no. And he did in this case. And so he told the disciples, well, I'll tell you what, instead, I want you to figure out a way to feed all these people. Y'all, y'all feed them. He didn't say y'all, but if he was from Texas, he definitely would have said y'all. And, and so the disciples, they, they, you know, they, they countered that and they said, Hey, listen, this is too expensive. We don't have enough money in the church treasury to go out and buy food for every single person. So uh, we, we're not going to be able to pull that off. So Jesus said, we'll figure it out. So, so they started looking through the, the, the people asking, does anybody have food? Does anyone have food? Well, finally one child out of all those thousands, his mother thought enough of him to send him with some food. And so he had these five barley loaves and two fish. And so, so the the, uh, they went back to Jesus. They said, well, Jesus, we found some food, but it's just this little bit right here. And Jesus said, okay, cool, bring, bring it to me. And so what happened is then Jesus took it and he blessed it. And then it says he thanked God for it. And then the next thing he did is he started tearing the bread apart. And as he tore the bread apart, and these would have been loaves about this size probably, as he started tearing the bread apart, it was miraculously growing in his hands. Now that, that is a crazy miracle. And it, he tore and he tore and tore until there was enough bread and fish to feed every single person was there. It says every person was satisfied. You can read all about that in Matthew 14. So it was a miracle. I mean, it was, it was kind of like the miracle to top all miracles because it just kept going and going and going and going. And, and just be honest, can you imagine experiencing that and seeing that? That would have been like one of the, that would have been the highlight of your life, really, to see and experience something like that. It was the best of times. I mean, the, the, the ministry was thriving. There were, there were crowds, and, and, uh, and it, the ministry was actually exploding in size. And, and I, I love it. I think it's wonderful when we experience obvious miracles from God. It, and, and, it, and when those miracles happen, it makes you feel on top of the world, uh, rightly so. And I think that's good. God's moving in your life. God's moving in your family. God's moving in your church. God's moving in your community. But we all know the truth. We never just 
perpetually stay there in the best of times. Uh, sometimes miracles are happening, but it's not very obvious. Uh, sometimes uh, there will be great seasons of miracles in our lives and everything seems to uh, be turning around and then all of a sudden it just is like, it's like the worst of times hits you. We've all been there. And some of you are there today. Uh, and if you're not there today, you may be tomorrow. Now in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, this is where the worst of times began for the disciples. It was right after the best of times with the feeding of the 5,000. So let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And again, just for information, I do read from the New American Standard Bible. Here we go. It says, immediately afterward, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side. So this was on the Sea of Galilee, which was a very large lake. It's not like any of the Texas lakes we have around here, okay, which are reservoirs anyway. They're ponds. So, so he's like, you're going to go to the other side of the lake. And so it says, while he sent the crowds away. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up to a mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there all alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter responded to him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But, dun, 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 but seeing the wind, he became frightened. And he began, when he began to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out with his hand and took hold of him. And he said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Quite an incredible story. You read the entire uh, chapter 14, which you can do later, you'll see the best of times and the worst of times are constantly happening there all, all together. Well, this situation of the disciples in the boat, if you were to read it in every single one of the, uh, the stories that we find in the other gospels, you'll see that this was a very, very challenging circumstance. They, they really thought they were going to die. Uh, so I will call that the worst of times. And for us, for believers, the worst of times is when there are just discouraging negative circumstances that are happening. And you've, you've, you've seen his miracle power, but where is God now? Why is he seemingly absent. And I'll tell you, this is very common. Uh, and the truth is, is that dark storms quite often follow miracles. The disciples, I mean, they, they felt like Jesus had des deserted them. They were out on this little boat in the middle of this massive, this massive lake in a very dangerous storm. And so where's the miracle worker now? He's nowhere to be found. So what is the worst of times like? Well, when you look at that, there are a lot of things that you can see. First of all, you might feel deserted by God. 
Yeah, it's actually common for believers at times to feel like God has deserted them, like God has let you down. And it, and it may be, you, you try to put it together, like, well, maybe I'm just not praying the right words, or, or, or possibly I did something to make God really, really angry, and so he's not going to help get me out of this mess. And, and all of you know that there are times when you're in the middle of a trial, but you just can't see God working in the middle of that. You know the feeling, you know what I'm talking about. Another aspect of the worst of times is when you're just feeling tormented by, uh, by a new storm. Like, here's a brand new storm in my life, and I really didn't need this. You know, torment, um, it, it does occur in the life of believers. Even good, godly people who have just experienced a breakthrough, but you're now in a raging storm, and everything looks helpless. In chapter 14, verse 24, it says this, it says the boat was already a long distance from the land battered by the waves. That word battered is important because in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written, it, it, it gives us a description of how we feel sometimes. Tortured, tormented, tossed, vexed. Some of you are feeling that right now. See, the storms of life can do that to you. You leave church on Sunday, you're feeling full of faith, you've got a word from God, you're encouraged by miracles that are happening to yourself and to other people, and then Monday, a storm hits your life, and you're, you're tortured, you're tormented, you're, you're vexed, you're tossed about, and, and you're thinking, where is the God of Sunday on Monday? And you feel so terribly distant from any form of security and safety. And, and everything seems like it's just flipped from the best of times to the worst of times. And then it even gets crazier. It's because it, at the darkest hour, God's presence can even be misunderstood. And sometimes we do misunderstand God's presence at a very, very dark hour. Scripture says that it was the fourth watch of the night when, uh, when Jesus came to walking on the water. So that meant it was somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. So these men had been rowing in this boat uh, since sundown against these this, this, this headwinds and these rough seas, and they were dealing with frustration and exhaustion and fear. And, and then their emotions were taken over by, uh, let's just call it maritime superstition. And, 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 and this ghost appears, this harbinger of death. In fact, that word ghost is, is found there in that passage in verse 35. And what that means is a phantom or a spirit. These 12 mighty men of God who assisted Jesus on the most incredible string of miracles we see anywhere else in the Bible, they're now being attacked by a phantom whom they believed was going to escort them directly to their death. So they started to scream and yell. Yeah, read it. It's all in there. They were overtaken by fear. Some of you feel that way right now. Some of you have felt that way in the past. Everything looks bleak. Looks like things are going to capsize. The headwinds in front of you, it's, it's forbidding your progress. You can't even get forward, and you're exerting more energy than ever before. And then all of a sudden, it seems like you see this, this spiritual signal that everything's finished. 
Everything's over with. Everything's about to collapse. It, sometimes I, I, I know believers have even felt like, well, just the devil himself is coming to get me. But in reality, it's not the devil, but it's Jesus coming near to you. See, far too often, I believe that we, we look at negative situations, we look at a lot of negative situations, and we think, well, they're just all demonic in nature. And truth is, many times they are simply normal life circumstances that can be reversed through the power of God. I'm going to talk more about that in my Supernatural series beginning next week. But, but in general, I would say <clears throat> we're often way too quick to attribute the work of God to the enemy because it's painful in that very moment. There's this young missionary, uh, missionary couple that I know, they had just arrived in Armenia. And they were so excited to get in there to this, this area to begin their missions work. They were brand new missionaries. And their, their goal was to establish a church there. And, uh, and they were all alone in this strange land where they didn't even know anyone. They had just arrived. They had their living situation all set up, but it was very, very late at night. Uh, the, the lady, the missionary's wife, this female missionary, she took the cab to their new apartment while her husband was still back taking care of some urgent paperwork that he had to complete before he could be released. And uh, so the cab driver then took her to her apartment, and she looked at it. Oh, this must be it. This is it. This is what I've seen in the pictures. And, and uh, she paid him, and she got out. There she was out in front of her apartment at night. It was dark, and she was all alone. Truth is, she was tired. Uh, she was hungry, and she was a little bit nervous. But still, she was just amazed at the miracle that she was now standing at the apartment where they were going to begin their new work for God. So she reached in for her apartment key, but it was gone. She had left it in the cab along with her phone. No husband, no key, no phone, and all the neighbors are asleep. She sat down on the steps and she just began to sob and she was like, God help me. She cried, like, this cannot be happening to me. I mean, imagine this. This is this young, well-put-together American woman in a strange country in the Middle East and she's locked out. She's all alone on the street. That is certainly not the best of times. You understand? But what happened is just outside, she was just outside of a neighbor's window, and this neighbor heard her crying. This neighbor came out to help. And soon some of the other neighbors began to awake, and they started knocking on each other's doors. This American that's out there on the street sobbing and and. Come to find out what ended up happening is within an hour or so, the neighbors were literally arguing and fighting over who was going to give this young lady food and shelter and a bed. And, and, and it, everything started coming together. And what looked like a tragedy had then been transformed into a perfect opportunity for a missionary as she began at that time, before her husband even arrived back, to build relations relationships and friendships with literally every one of her neighbors. And this incident ended up giving her and her husband unbelievable leverage to then plant a church right there in that city for Jesus. So, you know, when you think that everything's falling apart and the devil is pummeling you, that may not 
be the case. Now, it might be God allowing the circumstances of life in a very fallen world to build your faith and to, to give you, an, to really open up the door so that he can make himself more known to you and more known through you. Back to the Sea of Galilee, the disciples, they finally realized it's Jesus. And so uh, as they realized this, you know, Peter's faith was elevated and he was inspired. And so he actually got out of the boat. And this is where things even get crazier. He actually started walking on this turbulent water. Now, I know some people criticize him for what's about to happen, but have you ever walked on water? Come on, if you have, then great. Now, I tried the other day, got into a little kiddie pool with my, with my grandkids, and it didn't work. I mean, my feet still sunk. It, it's, it's, it's not all that easy. And I, I, I try to be real spiritual and godly, but it just hasn't happened yet. But, of course, you know that the situation doesn't end there with him starting to walk on water, which is still amazing. In verse 30, I mean, take a look at it. In verse 30, it says, but seeing the wind, he became what? Frightened. You see that? And when he began to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out with his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, hold on for a second. He was literally walking on water. Do you see? He's, he's there and he's, he's, in, he's experiencing a miracle, a, a, a crazy miracle. But he took his eyes off Jesus for just a moment and, and because of the waves that were around him and then fear took over. He was frightened and then the fear caused him to begin to sink. Here, here's the point. Don't lose your focus on Jesus and choose fear or you're sunk. It doesn't matter how turbulent the waters are around you guys. It doesn't matter how strong the wind is because fear always opposes faith. When you accept fear, it's all going to fall apart. Everything's being destroyed. No, then your faith is crippled and that fear will pull you down. But the good, no, the good news, the great news is that even though Peter allowed uh, his faith to diminish by embracing the fear, and I say diminish because he still had faith because if, if, if all of a sudden the faith was completely gone, he would have sunk, boom, like that and been under, but he started to sink. All right, so it was a slow action that was happening there. But at that moment, uh, he, he called out to Jesus and that's the right thing to do. He called out to Jesus and, he re, he, and the Lord reached out his arms and lifted Peter out of the water and placed him back on the boat. So here's the point. The worst of times is not really the worst. And when things are going bad for you, instead of thinking that the worst has overtaken you, and the, the, please know this, the worst is not really the worst. It's very likely, most likely, and if you're a believer, I'll just tell you what it is. It is a faith-elevating, character-building time that God is using in your life because he has something else he wants to do with you and through you. So what I've done is, as I looked at this, I captured five small quotes of Jesus in this narrative. And I want to demonstrate to you that the worst of times, really what they are really all about. The first, so, so the first one is that the worst of times is a challenge to take courage. 
It's a challenge to take courage. If you're going through the worst of times right now, it is a challenge to take courage. Jesus said to them in verse 27, take courage. It is I. You see, you can always take courage when you know that the Lord is near. And even in the wretched turmoil of your life, godly courage has the ability to change your attitude and to even positively impact the people around you. And right now, if you're going through the worst of times, I believe the Lord is saying to you, take courage. And I'm preaching that to you right now. Take courage because godly courage will put a smile back on your face. And that, 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 that smile on your face will help, will help you to know that you can and that you will make it in Jesus' name. Also, the worst of times, it is a challenge to reject fear. It's about learning to put the fear behind you and to stop focusing on the instability around you and the storms that are around you. Because fear, what it does is it cripples, it paralyzes, it holds you down, and it pulls you down. But Jesus said in verse 27, he also said, do not be afraid. Some of you, you right now, some of you feel crippled with fear. Because of maybe a relationship gone bad. Maybe a, a, a boss who's full of hate or a coworker or a client who's threatening you or a business deal that's gone bad. But God's word says this in Psalm 56, verse 4. Get this, get this. This is, this is good. If you get anything out of this message, get this right here. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And that, that is something that you need to highlight in your Bibles. Take a picture of it on the screen or something like that. Post that on social media. Get that out there so that you're going to remember it. You're going to digest it, memorize it. Remind yourself, God is on your side. So you can reject that fear. And you can simply take the words of Jesus. Do not be afraid. I also believe this, based upon what Jesus said, is that the worst of times is a challenge to actually pursue Jesus. See, far too often when things aren't going well, I've seen this throughout my entire life. I've seen people begin to hide out. They stay away from church. They back away from Christian relationships. They don't go to their connect group or their small group anymore. They give in devices and so many other things. But, it, but in the midst of the storm, Jesus invited Peter to move closer to him on the water. Look, verse, look back at verse 29. Look at what he, in the middle of the storm, Jesus brought an invitation. Come here. He said, come here, look. Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. You know, Jesus, in your storm, I believe he is bidding you to simply come closer to him during the worst of times. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, earlier on, Jesus said these words, beautiful words. He said, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Church, Jesus, he is the place of perfect rest and security from your storm. 
And when you come to him, there are ways to come to him, and, and ways to come to him are through worship and through prayer and through solitude, spending time in his word and being with other believers, coming to church. I mean, those are ways to pursue Jesus. I just want to say, during your storm, take the challenge to pursue Jesus. And finally, the worst of times is a challenge to increase your faith. As soon as Jesus pulled Peter out of the water, he told Peter, hey, your faith level is a little too low right now. Now, again, we step back and we really look at this. I mean, Jesus was, I mean, Peter was walking on the water in the Sea of Galilee during a storm. (laughs) But Jesus said in verse 31, you of little faith, why did you doubt Why'd you doubt? It shows me that the faith we operate in is so small compared to what's available. I want you to increase your faith like never before. And if it takes sinking in a storm to challenge you to ramp up your faith, let me tell you the truth, God will use that. Doubt will do you in. That's why we defeat doubt during the worst of times by increasing and elevating our faith. Now, we're going to put James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 up here on the screens in a second, which I believe fits this, this teaching perfectly. James was on that boat. And I, I wonder if James was referring to this incident on the Sea of Galilee when he penned these words. He says, ask in faith without any, and this is explicit, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Here's the big challenge. It says, for that person ought not to expect he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So when you doubt during the storm, you become part of the storm. That's really what he's saying there. You now have become a wave, blown about, tossed by the wind. And I think the result of this of doubting, not having faith, it is, for a believer, it is, it is quite terrifying because it will say, don't, don't you even think you're gonna expect anything from God? Now, that's a hard word right there, but it's truth and we've got to hear that. It says you're, you're double-minded. You have two ways of thinking and you need to have one way of thinking. I one time had a... Uh, had a, a, a person misunderstand what I said when I was preaching this several years ago, and they said, why did you say that you're devil-minded? I didn't say you're devil-minded. But you know what? Actually, that is kind of a good way to put it because there's duplicity there with him. But you're double-minded, and he says you're unstable, just like Peter was. Makes me wonder if he wrote this based upon what happened there in the Sea of Galilee. And I tell you what, those are strong words for a doubter. But, listen here, God has not abandoned you. You are simply, uh, but, but, but what you are, you're simply at a disadvantage 
against the storms of life because you're doubting. So you need to ramp up your faith and stop the doubt. So here, here, here it is. If you're experiencing the worst of times right now, I don't want you to believe for a second that God has abandoned you. He's not abandoned you. He is with you. What he's doing is he's calling you to a higher level of faith. And I want to pray with you today that your faith will increase and that you will be strengthened in the name of Jesus. So it's no accident you're here today. It's no accident you're hearing this word. Because God still works miracles in the worst of times. First of all, I'd like nobody looking around for just a moment. And I, I want to appeal to anyone in this room who's not in relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you're not, if you're not a believer, you're burdened down with sin. I tell you, that is the worst place you can possibly be because there, there is no hope without Jesus. You need him. So before I go on any further, before we pray together regarding storms of life, I want to make sure we're all on the boat with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not in relationship with the Lord, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to me. And the way to do that is to lift your hand so that I can see your hand. And then we're going to pray together and we're going to invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and to become the Lord and Savior of your life. So if that's you, again, just with no one looking around, just lock yourself in, examine your heart. You need Jesus. You want to give your life to him. At the count of three, lift your hand for me so that I can see it. One, two, three. Lift it up for me. Thanks. Thank you. Put your hands down. Anyone else? I need Jesus today. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me. My faith is locked in with yours, and I want, to, I want you to pray and believe for the miracle of salvation. Church, will you pray these words as well as an encouragement to those who are giving their lives to Christ right now? Pray these words. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. For today I give up the way I've been living. And I turn to you. I reject the sin. I reject those old patterns. And I choose the blood of Jesus. Wash over me and make me a new creation. Today, I am a believer. Today, I choose to serve Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to keep praying. In fact, church, would you just would you just do this for me? I want to I really want everyone in the room to stand if you're able. I want you to receive this prayer. I want you to receive this prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. As I've been preaching, I, I know so many of you so well look and see many of the, you that I know I know you're going through some storms I know you're going through some tough stuff I want you to receive this and even if I'm not aware of your storm that doesn't matter this prayer is effective because the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it is effective and when we're agreeing together miracles happen Lord God I pray that not one person in this room feels deserted by you Lord no matter what's going on for those who are tormented, for those who are vexed, to those who are feeling tossed about. 
God, let us discern your presence and not misunderstand what's going on. And God, give us the strength and the fortitude to not cave to our emotions. God, I pray that we'll move closer to you as you beckon us. We'll move closer to you during our storm. But God, at the same time, help us to reject fear. Help us to believe that the worst has not overtaken us. God, I pray that even in these storms, I pray that there will be times of, this will be a time of elevating our faith. This will be a time of building our character and our perseverance. And that we will do mighty exploits for you, God, as a result of what we're walking through right now, even though we can't even see how that could happen. God, I pray that we will receive your word to take courage and that we will receive your word to do not be afraid. So God, let us reject fear. God, let us move closer to you. God, may we choose to pursue you during the middle of the storm. For you, God, are the perfect place of rest. You are the perfect place of security in the storm. So I pray in the name of Jesus that doubt will be defeated and that faith will be increased in our lives and in this room. For if God is for us, who can even be against us? For God, you still work miracles in the worst of times. And we thank you for your miracle power and let it be released in our lives in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? Some of you, you need to go back and you need to get the podcast or the video and listen to this or watch this again and let this get into your spirit. God loves you. He's not rejected you. And your best really is yet to come. As John comes up to dismiss us, I'd like to dismiss our online congregation. Thank you for joining us today. And I want you guys to walk in the faith and in the favor of the Lord. And also, if you are newer here, you're new today, I'm inviting you to come and join me at 6 p.m. right here as we do City Life 101. Learn more about the church. Learn more about what's going on here and the really the incredible ways God is using this whole church right here to impact this city. It is unbelievable. Well, God bless you. John, go ahead. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.